If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Well, welcome back. We have a survivor friend with us today, Denise Bossart. She's a poet. She's an artist with a PhD in developmental neuroscience. Quite a combination there, Denise. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you just released a book called Thriving After Sexual Abuse, Break Your Bondage to the Past and Live the Life You Love. I was grateful to get an advanced copy of that and read it. Um, Really just always so proud of survivors who are able to put pen to paper and share their story for, you know, the intention of helping other survivors just with their own, you know, experiences, because so often we have a lot in common. Um, So, yeah, I'm really excited to let other survivors know about your book. But before we dive into actually your book, I wanted to highlight an article that you wrote for Psychology Today. It was called COVID-19 Overwhelm, Self-Care for Abuse Survivors. And you talked about cultivating self-care and how it can ease the burden of anxiety triggered by unsafe times. And I loved that article. I felt like you delivered a lot of truth at a very timely place in our lives, especially, you know, survivors. I was constantly hearing from survivors of abuse who were really triggered by the pandemic. Me, myself, I mean, I know Mary, you know, there's so many of us and we didn't really know why we didn't know how it connected. And it, I think it threw a lot of us into this place of trying to figure that out. Um, Mm -hmm. So I wondered if we could kind of talk a little bit about how that actually affected you and then some of the tips that you had shared in there as well. Yeah, sure. I was surprised that it hit me as as strongly as well. I, you know, here you are on your path of healing. You've made progress. You're like, I'm in a really good space. I can handle things as they come along. And then all of a sudden you have a pandemic arrive on your doorstep and not expect it at all. Yeah. And what I was talking about in the article is that, you know, growing up uh, through the abuse that I experienced as a child from my grandfather, you learned that the world was scary place. It, you really had no control over what was happening to you. And I think that was really what was triggering for me is that now I had built a structure where I felt I had a certain amount of control. You have to be flexible. You have to go with the flow of things. But I had a certain amount of control in my life. And now it was just totally ripped away from me. You know, I had no control of what was going to be happening. And the, the jobs were going crazy. You know, you couldn't even go to the grocery store for a while. And my husband has several of the high risk factors. And for me, a lot of the fear that I had arose out of not being able to control protecting him, mm-hmm. that I was really worried about bringing COVID home to my husband and feeling like I had no control to prevent that. Sure, you wear your mask. Sure, you do what your the CDC guidelines recommend. But this feeling of being out of control in the world being a scary place. In addition, I learned that people were scary. People could hurt you when I was a kid. Well, now people can give you COVID. Right. 
No, it was, it was like all of those fears came true and were living and live in my life and for other survivors. And it was just like, how do you deal with all of those things coming at you and triggering all those different buttons at one time leading to the overwhelm? Yeah. So my article, what I try to do is some simple things there, you know, I try to talk to people about two views. One is you've got the immediate situation that you may be triggering you right there in the moment. What can you do as far as self-care, you know, some breathing techniques, maybe some tapping or rubbing, you know, on your chest to help you calm down and connect with your body. Maybe some visualizations of someone that, you know, loves you that could, you could just see them sitting there with you and being there with you, anything that you could connect to you know, in your body to reconnect your body or connect to some kind of real positive self-care experience, being in nature, whatever it is, you know, have that ready to tap into. And then also just sit back where you maybe have a little bit of time and space to think about it, plan for what could happen and be prepared. You know, even if you have to write it down on a little note card that you carry with you, that when you're overwhelmed, you can pull it out and say, okay, here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to do. And the things that you can do to that work for you. You know, I'm a real strong proponent of find what works for you. I can give you a lot of suggestions and ideas. You can play with those, but you got to figure out what works for you and what you're comfortable with and what you can go to easily when the overwhelm happens. Mm. Yeah. And that kind of brings us even to your book. Just, you know, you talk a lot about how you've developed your own toolkit for things that can help you move out of fear and freeze to a place of calm and ease. It's what you've shared and how, you know, um, there were certain things for you, multiple practices in your healing journey um, that you unpack in your book. And I, I think are really helpful, you know, for some of us survivors, you know, it's good to hear what others do to kind of regulate and to do self-care. And it might not mean we're going to do all of them. It might not mean I believe in all the ones that everyone does, but we can pick and choose and pull and we can try things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what um, I really like about your story and how you share it is you're just giving other people an opportunity to consider some different ways to um, incorporate self-healing practices into, into their own healing journey. So yeah, could you maybe share uh, just a little bit of what that's looked like for you in your journey of just experimenting and trying? Sure. And, and I was one of those kids that had a trauma brain and that I didn't really remember as it was happening. My brain protected me. It wouldn't let me think about or know about it during the yeah. time. So, mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. just had those experiences emotionally come out in nightmares. So my brain was kind of releasing some steam for me, but otherwise I just wasn't aware of it until my grandfather died when I was a freshman in high school. And then all the memories came out mm. and I thought I was going crazy. You know, yeah. I had body memories, I had flashbacks, mm. but I was so ashamed. I didn't tell anybody and I didn't get any help. I just put myself into school and into sports and into band and I kept busy. So I never had to think about it. So my healing really didn't start until college. Okay. And then I was dating someone who was really the first person that encouraged me to grow into counseling. So I found a counselor at the university who got me in a women's group, which was amazing to be able to talk to people. You know, the work you're doing is connecting women and giving them support and, and getting them together to share stories and experiences. And this was my first experience with something like that mm -hmm. was to be able to talk to women who had been assaulted or had gone through incest and were on 
various parts of their healing journey. Yeah. There's nothing like that community. Is there, I mean, it's invaluable. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the first time I really started to understand that people outside of my family had experienced this and that I, I didn't feel so isolated and alone and it helped start to heal the shame Mm -hmm. that I had always carried. And during that time, I also got involved with survivors of incest anonymous, which is an, uh, a group kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous, but that was really important for me because there were men in the group I went to. <laughs> and I had never thought of men as being victims, only men being the perpetrators. And there was particularly one man who was about the age my grandfather was when he was abusing me, who had been abused by his mother. And it was just kind of world shifting to yeah, yeah. know that it wasn't just me, it wasn't just women, it was men as well. Mm-hmm. So, so that was kind of the start. And I, I did that for quite a while, but part of me was like, this is not quite enough. I'm healing, I'm making progress, but there's body stuff still going on. We keep so much memory and emotions in our body. And that was still there, that hadn't been processed. I still had some mental stuff going on, some behaviors I really didn't like. And so I, like you said, I just started exploring. There was no blueprint, you know, that's kind of why I wrote my book, right? Is <laughs> there was no blueprint or guidebook on what to do. So I just, and not really even intentionally, I'm going to go discover what will heal me. I was like, I want to try some things and see what happens. Yeah. So yoga was critical. It was one of the first things I discovered. And it was just unbelievable to start to work with my body in a way that was making me present. I was very dissociative during the abuse experience and I had grown to hate my body. It had betrayed me, you know, and and during uh, high school, I tried to cut my hair short, wear baggy clothes, be androgynous as possible. I didn't want anyone paying attention to me. So I had had a very negative body image and body experience and Mm -hmm. yoga transformed that for me. Mm -hmm. That was the first start for me and it was hard because there were some poses I felt really exposed in. And I, I started with the male teacher because that was what was available. But I had a conversation with him. We talked about all of this. His sister, unfortunately, had been abused. And so he understood. And he helped me create a safe space. Hmm. So that was really the first thing that got me beyond talk therapy into healing. And then I started exploring meditation, creative art, being in nature, photography, just various mm-hmm. things I started exploring. I, when I found out they were enriching and healing and really positive, I was like, okay, you know, let me keep doing that. Let me, you know, so it wasn't as I was trying to grab onto as many things as I could, I would just gently explore. And when it made sense to me and it was healthy and healing, I just kept doing it. Hmm. What was it that you noticed when something clicked for you, when it felt healthy and healing? What was there more to what that felt like for you? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, for me, it was um, not being in a place where I heard all the negativity that I didn't hear my grandfather's voice telling me how horrible and worthless and unlovable I was. Anything that I did that would keep me out of that memory brain space and that negativity, anything that made me feel competent and creative and Mm -hmm. um, present and calm, you know, all of these things um, had this ability to keep me present and calm. And Mm -hmm. in response to all that negative talk that I heard or intuitively received from my grandfather, I developed this real perfectionistic side of myself going in through school. Mm -hmm. And so there was this voice that I created that was beating me up for not being perfect. So here are these two voices. And 
all of these activities really helped me kind of peel those away mm-hmm. and just be with my true authentic self. They brought me back to mm-hmm. who I was supposed to be before the abuse happened to me, I think. Hmm. Yeah. You talk in your book about how you came to understand yourself and the world. And um, I'm wondering what that looked like, because to me, that's deeper than even just the self-care practices Mm -hmm. and the healing practices. Like, you know, really knowing yourself, that feels like a whole new level. Do you agree? Yeah, and that's a very good point. Because we spend so much time running away from who we think we are. Someone Mm -hmm. in my childhood defined who I was when I'm developing my brain, my worldview as a young child, you're absorbing all the messages that you get from your environment, the people in your environment. And I was told all these negative things. And so, and the world was not a safe place. The people you love could hurt you. I integrated that into myself. And as I mentioned, that negative voice was there constantly telling me to be ashamed, to not make connections with people that, you know, that I would get rejected, that I wasn't worthy of love, that, that I could be treated poorly. And, and so that was the space I was living in. And again, with this perfectionist side too. So I was in a really negative place, shameful, afraid place all the time. And that so influenced how I related to people, how I went out into the world, what I thought I was capable of doing. I was a smart kid. And so I, I, can, I grabbed onto that and held onto that as a truth. And I followed that. But otherwise, emotionally, mentally, physically, psychologically, spiritually, I was just like the dirt on the bottom of your shoe. <laughs> That's what I felt like, you know. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was getting with yoga, starting to get a glimpse of what it could be different that I could be in relationship with my body differently and realizing that there are a lot of behaviors that I had to de- develop out of that worldview, mm-hmm. out of defense mechanisms that weren't really positive and serving me. And I didn't like how I lived in the world. I didn't like what I thought about myself. So I didn't like the messages I was hearing. And so I started reading a lot of self-help books and I was sticking affirmations on <laughs> and I was like, what do you want to change? You, and somehow I convinced myself from what I was reading, what I was doing, that I could, that mm. I had the ability to change. That was my choice. And so I just started really a lot of um, self-reflection, introspection to say, what is it that you don't want? What is it that you do want? And what kind of person do you want to be? And mm. let's figure out how to get there. You, yeah. know? And, you know, what do you need to do to get there? Do you need to talk to someone? Do you need to do body work? Do you need to read more? You know, what is it? that I need to become the person that I know I can be and that I want to be. And I need to take those steps to get there and maybe a little fumbling along the way through my process, but I, that's what I started doing. Yeah. I think you make a lot of really good points as far as, you know, so often as survivors, we feel, it just feels so messy and and we're like, we don't know where to even begin. Mm -hmm. And, but I think it does take some intention, right? Like, even going to therapy, like that's a choice, but it's also like, you can't just show up and not have any direction. You can, but it's going to take you a long time to really find out the answers to the things you are asking yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that if we're really going to commit to our healing journey, which yes, it is lifelong, but 
I think that we can speed up some of the steps that we're taking if we're willing to really sit with ourselves, really willing to listen to ourselves. What do I really need? What do I really want my life to look like? You know, where do I want to find some freedom here? And just noticing, beginning to notice where you don't feel free Mm -hmm. and, um, and then setting some intentions as to, okay, well, this is the one thing that I really do want to find some freedom in. What can I do? And a lot of times it does come to finding the right therapist to walk with you, finding the correct community. Oftentimes other survivors are, are the most helpful when it comes to that, um, or just, you know, reading, like you said, learning, listening to podcasts about specific pieces of our healing that we know would really free us up if we could really tackle this thing. And it can feel overwhelming, but I think if we can kind of break it down and look at some smaller pieces that are, you know, feeling like shackles, right? Mm -hmm. Like it might be, I'm constantly getting involved in these toxic relationships, or I'm really struggling with people pleasing. I cannot say no to anybody or, you know, and my schedule is too crazy. Like these are certain things that we can just like break it down, really shine a light on this thing and and start asking ourselves questions. Where do you want to do? Um, And I love that. And I think another part that at least for me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Denise, but for me, self-compassion has been very key in my healing. Learning how to speak gently to myself mm-hmm. um, has been very helpful. And I Absolutely. never had done that in the past. Yeah, I was so bad with that. I talked about the voices in my head telling me that I was worthless or I was never going to be perfect and, and never meeting my own expectations. I would actually verbalize that uh, abusive self-talk out loud and my friends be like, you know, what are you doing? And they actually helped me recognize, you know, it became such a habit. I'm like, oh, I'm so stupid. Well, that was just ridiculous. You know, I would be saying that out loud because that voice was so strong. It came out and I actually had friends that said, you need to stop doing that and we're going to help you. We're going to point out when that's happening. And they did in a very gentle and kind and supportive way. So I, started to realize that was the kind of the first awakening to like, oh my gosh, what, what am I saying? What am I doing? And, and it was really hard to find, like you said, a place to be gentle with yourself because I was just as bad to myself as my abuser had been to me because I, I believed the message I got from him. And wow. so it was a huge step to say, it wasn't your fault. You're not to blame for this. And therefore you deserve for gentleness and compassion and, and love to, and that piece with yoga and starting meditation, that's when I really started being able to say, okay, there's, there's some compassion. I can find compassion for myself. And I have to find that for myself before I'm going to be able to move forward in any way. And Mm -hmm. the meditation practice that I was involved in, it was a mindfulness meditation practice, but it was about compassion and it Mm -hmm. was foundational that you start with yourself. And I'm like, Oh good. Someone's going to guide me (laughs) on how to do this. Um, But I think it's something that is a pivotal first step for people. And it's so hard if you've heard those messages for so long and you've repeated them, you've put them into the wiring of your brain. It's going to take some time for you to be able to rewire your brain to say, no, this is what I'm going to do in response to these situations. This is how I'm going to treat myself. And that just takes a lot of practice, but it's a wonderful way to begin your healing journey. Real quick, I just wanted to drop some knowledge on you that the 
virtual support groups and the new curriculum that I just put out this past year, 2021, called Unleash, the virtual safe space for survivors of sexual abuse to come into a safe place to experience belonging and free wild souls. This whole thing, we're going to continue the summer. I'm really excited. I mean, honestly, summer for me is usually a time that's kind of down, like as far as like, not sad, but like down as far as like, okay, I can be with my kids. I can spend time outdoors. I love summer. Get me in the pool. Well, not maybe in it, but beside it. But anyways, I still want to keep these groups going. I was planning on taking the summer off from Unleash and hitting it back up in the fall, but holy cow, it's been so fun. These groups have been so meaningful. In fact, many survivors have gone through one whole set of the eight weeks and then signed up for another one. It's just been a really, really meaningful, sweet, precious experience for all of us. And I just want to keep it going. So we've added some more groups for the summer. We might even pop some up for the fall. Male survivors really want to plug you in here. Uh, We've got some guys waiting in the wings for some more male survivors to sign up so that we can run a group. We really need a minimum of five to get it going. So we just need a couple more of you to be willing to take the plunge. Really hope that you'll join us. Look at our website, IamOneVoice.org. Click on the Unleash link and you'll find the list of all the groups that are starting this summer and also in the fall. We hope you'll join us. It's called Unleash has officially launched. Check it out now. Sign up. Go to IamOneVoice.org online. IamOneVoice.org. Even those kinds of things, it you know, brings me back to the breaking it down to the little steps that we can take rather than looking at such a big picture. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so overwhelming. But like, what am I overwhelmed with right now? Mm-hmm in this moment, actually, you know, and, and how can I um, speak gently to this moment, to myself in this moment, you know, be your best own best friend. Mm -hmm. What would you say to a friend that was suffering? You would never treat a friend that you cared deeply about the way that we have treated ourselves as survivors. Yeah. That's kind of how I like to talk to people about it. If you had this beautiful friend that was suffering and you wanted to help them, what would you say? What would you do? Mm -hmm try to bring that back to yourself. I know it's usually much harder for us to be compassionate with ourselves than it is for people that we care about. But if you can, you know, say I deserve that as much as my friend would deserve it for me, can I do that? And it may just be the tiniest little thing that you just say, okay, I'm not going to say that negative thing. You know, maybe you can't move forward in any other way, but you say, okay, shh, not now. I, you know, I appreciate that you're trying to help, but I don't need that kind of help anymore. So okay, <laughs> yeah. be quiet and let me get a little peace. And like you said, trying to figure out what it is in this moment that you need. And maybe you don't know, maybe you just need a journal and say, I really don't know, but I really want something to change. And if you start writing about it, something may come up that says, you know what, I just need to go outside. Ah, ha, my wisdom came through. I'm going to step outside. Mm-hmm. And so you may be in a process of self-discovery just to, to trust yourself enough to know that there's intelligence there on how you can start your healing, what might be healing for you. And journaling is great because you can say, oh, I stepped outside and it felt really good because Mm -hmm. our brains have been altered by the trauma. We may not remember the good stuff that works for us every time. And we need to write it down and say, oh yeah, that worked. Let me remember, you know, let me go do that now. Um, So I think it's the combination, like you said, of taking the time to think about it. Maybe you need to write some 
sticky notes or your journal, but be gentle that you don't have to have all the answers all at one time for all of the things that are going on in your life. I love how you say, let's, can we focus on one thing and what small step is going to be helpful? Maybe I just need to go outside and chill out. Maybe I need to take a hot bath. Maybe I need to, you know, write a letter to someone that I won't even send that I need to write and burn or whatever, whatever that small step is, because as the, the famous quote is, the journey of 2000 miles begins with the first step. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And I think you even kind of touched on it too. Like the intuition almost of a survivor is very like strong, right? And and almost praising ourselves for that emotional intelligence that we have had to survive our trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we have that same thing inside of us as adult survivors to rely on, to tap into. Like, I got through that, right? So look, at, I can get through this moment too. What do I need? I need to listen to myself. I need to trust my intuition here. What yeah. do I need? And as simple, I like how you said it, as simply as thinking to yourself, maybe I just need to step outside and get some fresh air for a moment. Mm-hmm. And then do it and then notice, did it matter? Did it make an effect on my moment that I was having? And then record it maybe, you know, as far yeah. as journaling or whatever. Um, and I've, I've that started builds reading, trust with yeah, yourself. Started, yeah, absolutely. And that's what you need. You need to be these moments of, of trust that build up to your confidence. You know, I love how you said the, the intuition that got us through all of that experience. I would add to that the strength the strength that you had to get through that. You have that strength to do your healing. I know Mm -hmm. it can be scary for people to think about it because as human beings, we are naturally afraid of change. We're afraid of the unknown. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we want to stay in the misery because we know it, you know, kind of controlled and contained. And what if I step out there? What's going to happen? I don't know. Um, So the intuition that we have, the strength that we have, that can carry us out where we need to be. And to add what you were saying about, experience it and try to, you know, really remember it. A lot of the books I've read recently about trauma and resilience are about when something good happens, whatever it is, no matter how big or how small, take it in. Because I'm one of those people who's like, oh, good thing happened, snap, on to the next thing. Yeah. Let me prepare for the next bad thing. So I'm not going to really hang out in the good space because I got to get ready for the next bad thing. And I hear that so much with survivors waiting for the next shoe to drop. Yeah. And so often instead of taking a moment to say, this is a really good feeling. I deserve to feel this and just really literally take it in, sit with mm-hmm. it, let it yourself marinate in that goodness. Mm-hmm. And if we keep doing that time after time, that's when our brain shifts mm-hmm. to that being a default response to situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how, how you're, how you're saying that so clearly. And, you know, it makes it feel accessible when you can hear someone else talk about it from their experience, knowing that they've also gone through some sort of trauma like you have. Um, yeah. Cause life can feel really overwhelming. And especially in times like these, I think we need to be able to break it down, look at it smaller, have that compassion. I wanted to mention too, I think years ago when I was on my healing journey, um, I would have thought this was weird or strange or odd, but now I don't. And that is something that's come up a lot in our Unleash um, survivor support groups 
a lot of us have been discussing um, caring for, nurturing, speaking to the younger version of you. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about talking to, you know, the current version, self-compassion and gentle talk to the, to myself today and the healing road I'm on as an adult survivor, but there's another level to it of, of caring for and speaking truth and kindness and gentleness to, for me, you know, the 12 year old Nicole that mm-hmm. was being abused. Um, and there's been a lot of healing and freedom and just you know, really just unleashing that's happened through that, not only for me, but for so many of the survivors that have been meeting with us in these virtual support groups. Um, I wonder if that's been part of your journey. Yeah, I'm smiling broadly now because it, it is a big pivotal moment. You know, I, I, like I said, the yoga is pivotal. There's points in time where I just felt these shiftings that, you know, you're kind of healing, you reach a plateau and then something happens that you jumpstart again. Mm-hmm. And For me, it was learning about the inner child and understanding the healing that needed to be done. And and I just really wasn't in touch with that inner child for a very long time. And at one point, I actually said, you know what? I want to help her heal. I want to help her heal. I want to recognize her, show her I love her. So, And I imagined that um, I invited her to join me in this big, beautiful field of wildflowers. And I threw a birthday party for her, a celebration for her to recognize her, to love on her balloons and cake and everything she loved, just to let her know that I saw her, that bring her out of the shadows, out of the darkness where she was cowering and hiding for so long and say, listen, you are worth being here with me in this light, in this space. And I want you to be back here with me and I'll take care of you. I'm strong enough for both of us. You don't have to worry, you know, and, and I don't blame you and you shouldn't feel guilty for what happened. You could not have prevented it. And I won't let anything like that happen to you again. So I literally had this whole thing planned and we had this little play date together and it was awesome. It was was so great. Yes. Yes. I think for so many of us that haven't ever tried that, it sounds really kind of weird and wacky, but a lot of healing, I think happens when we're willing to just be curious and to try. It's like, Mm -hmm. almost like, what, what if I just tried this? And sometimes it sticks. Sometimes it really works. Sometimes it is actually very freeing and you realize it's not odd. It's actually really nurturing. It's actually really kind and caring and loving. And it brings joy and all of these beautiful fruits with it. But we're so stuck in our box and scared mm-hmm. of trying new things. But I, that's what I really love about hearing about your healing journey, Denise, is just a lot of playfulness, a willingness to be curious and um, latching on to the good things that have come. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what people should keep in mind. You know, my, my book is meant to share my story and then give examples of things to try. And, and I'll tell you for each of the things I tried, how I explored it, what it did for me. And then I asked people, well, grab a journal and here's some questions about how do you find and connect with these practices, what you, you should consider, you know, whether it's finding a therapist or it's finding a yoga studio or, you know, where do you go out in nature? Um, so I'm trying to give uh, 
an instance of here's what I did, but also guide them through the possibility of exploring that for themselves and giving them resources. Because I think it's always back to what works for you, what feels right for you. And that may change over time too. You know, with my book, it's like, well, you don't have to read it all at one time. And that's the end. You may say, okay, I really enjoyed this one thing. I felt safe to do it, but what else can I try? And you might want to come back and say, what else is there for me to try? So you don't have to do everything at once. You don't, you know, healing, as you said, is a lifelong journey. We're not going to get on the auto bond and 200 miles an hour later we're going to boop I'm healed you know it doesn't work like that it's no fast track and so I really encourage people to take your own time no one should tell you how fast you should be doing things or how healed you should be at a certain point in time not even yourself be gentle as you said be self-compassionate and say I'm going to take it in my own time and own speed I'm going to try what's comfortable for me maybe I'll be on the edge a little bit just to see if I can be curious and want to explore some things and try some new things that, because I love to do that. I, that's kind of the way I live my life, whether it's trying new art or trying new body work, whatever it is, because I never know when I'm going to stumble upon the next thing that's going to be so enriching and healing. So I look at it as an opportunity mm-hmm. to discover things and move forward into, and some things I'm like, yeah, that didn't really work for me. I'm glad I tried it, but whatever. And some of them like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm going to really start doing this, but you can't do that if you don't allow yourself mm-hmm. to give it a try and be curious. That's right. Yeah. And not getting down on yourself when the risk wasn't worth it, you know, mm-hmm. but being willing to risk again and try again. Absolutely. And that that's, it can be hard, but remember, we talked about that strength that you had to get through everything you had to go through up to this point in time and just keep talking to yourself in positive ways that uh, however that works for you, whether it's through prayer, through affirmations, through sticky note memes on your computer or whatever it is that you can use. I'm a real visual person. I'm a photographer. And so for me, having memes or pictures or written word really helps. So tap into whatever makes it accessible to you. And then keep working with that. And even if it's five minutes a day, you do something positive for yourself, whatever that is, that's the first step. And if you keep repeating it, you know, we know that it takes about 21 days to form a habit that you keep doing. So if you can keep doing that five minutes a day, and then you will say, I'm ready for 10. I'm ready for an hour. I'm ready for a weekend retreat to treat myself (laughs) great. You know, whatever you build up to, but I just encourage people to try whatever works for them. Hmm. Yeah. What a great message. Thank you, Denise. Um, Where can people find you, find your book, connect? Sure. So I have my main website is thrivingaftersexualabusebook.com. And if you go there, you can find more about me and the book. I have links to all the different places you can buy the book. It's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Google Play, Apple, it's everywhere. And there um, are links to some of the articles I've written There are links to the podcast, and then there also is a link to what I call a healing library. So I mentioned I read a lot of books, and I put in the book as well as on my website links to those those books because I think that reading and self-educating is really important. So you can find me at thrivingaftersexualabusebook.com, and I am on Twitter, am Thriving After, and on Facebook, Thriving After Sexual Abuse. And again, all those social media links are on that website as well. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Denise. It's been such a joy to connect with you. And thanks for all you're doing for all of us. 
Well, I really appreciate all the work you're doing, you know, with your Unleash program, taking it to the next level and giving so many resources to everyone. It's just fabulous that it's available and online and building community that bring people from all over the place together. Uh, mm. I really wish I had that when I was starting, but mm. you're doing fabulous work. So thank you so much for all that you're doing. Yeah, well, I appreciate that plug, Denise. And you are welcome to join us at any time. You okay. let me know. Thanks. Thank you so much. Take care, Denise. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked. Even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.